This morning as we are moving our way this month to uh, Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are moving through the book of Luke and getting closer to the end and we are back on a subject that we were just recently on about, the subject of prayer. And in fact, as we look at this, you might think, why are we, you know, we just did Luke chapter 11 two weeks ago. Luke chapter 11 had a story about a man who's banging on his neighbor's door, asking for bread, and Jesus tells us that, you know, the guy doesn't want to get up, but because of the insistence of his friend, he will get up. Not because he's a friend, not because he wants to help him, just because he wants him to go away. He'll get up and give him the bread. And his point in that was to show us that we need to pray to God because God is better than that man. As, as, as Jesus' second parable there said, you know, we are evil and yet we know how to give good things to our kids. How much more so will God give the Holy Spirit to those who love him or that he loves? And uh, this is a very similar passage. We're going to have a person who's banging on a door and requesting help and requesting help. And we have another person who's not righteous, but because of his desire to get rid of the other person, will give them what they want. And Jesus, again, applies this to prayer. And here's the thing. Jesus felt the need to say these stories more than once. Luke felt the need to include both of these stories. He didn't say, hey, I've already got it with the parable of the friend at night with the three loaves. No, Luke said this, even though it's a similar story and it's a similar idea, I need to, I need to put it in this gospel again. And the reason is, is because oftentimes we have to hear things more than once. I don't know about you all, but sometimes things have to be said to me numerous times to get it through the thickness up here, right? And so, no offense, but that's what we're doing. We're hitting this again two weeks later to try to get through the thickness between our ears. Not just yours, but mine as well. Not just mine, but yours as well. Because we don't get this. We struggle with this. We don't live it out the way Jesus has called us to live it out. So, let us uh, attend to the Gospel and see what he has to say to us today. And the focus of it, as you will see as we go through, is this idea of never give up. When it comes to prayer, Jesus would have us never give up. So let's look at this. Uh, we're gonna, let me go ahead and read the verses together because it is a short little passage. And like I said, it is kind of repetitive. So we'll, we might not hit everything as we go through. So let's read it together together. Uh, in one piece. Verse 18 tells us, Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect men. Now, obviously this is just, you know, this is for the story's sake. I don't know how many people actually say this to themselves, but, you know, 
That's who he has been described. That's what he says of himself. Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. There are a lot of three-year-olds out there that have a similar game plan going, don't they? And they'll just wear you out until you give them what they want. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Hear what he said. Pay attention to what he said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now here's something that's important to to pay attention to as we're going through this, the context of where this comes up in the story. The the earlier passage with the man with the three loaves and the story about the father who gives us, you know, if a son asks for a fish, he won't uh, give him a snake. That was in the context of Jesus teaching his disciples a prayer. This one, he's telling them a parable based on... uh, what came right before in chapter 17, which is Jesus' teaching about His second coming. He has been teaching them about when He will return and what it will be like when the Son of Man is revealed and uh, they ask Him, you know, when's this going to happen? And He says to them, you know, He gives them very vague ideas of where it will happen and where they'll go and when it will happen. And it's in in the context of the church and the second coming of Christ, that if nothing else, Luke at least adds this story. Because by the time Luke was a believer, and by the time Luke was writing this letter, the the Gospel of Luke, and then later on writing Acts, you had a lot of people wondering, when's Jesus coming back? You know, he, he said he was coming back quickly. When's he coming back? I thought he was going to be back by now, and so many of my friends have died. When's Jesus going to come back? Paul even had to deal with this with people that thought maybe maybe Jesus had come back and they missed it. And so Luke includes this story, whether or not Jesus immediately went from talking about his second coming to telling them this parable or not, Luke at least includes it. With that in mind, that we are talking about praying and seeking and waiting upon the Lord's return. And, and <clears throat> notice what, he, what, what Luke says. This is Luke's editorializing in verse 1. That he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. And most likely, that is exactly what he was dealing with at that time. Paul was writing letters with people telling them to, that Jesus hasn't come back yet and you need to keep living for Him and waiting for Him because people were losing heart. And oftentimes, we can lose heart. And Jesus' desire is not for us... You know, he, he promises us suffering. He promises us difficulties. He promises us tribulation. He, he promises His disciples in the Gospel of Luke that people are going to take you and arrest you and throw you into jail and bring you before the courts and bring you in front of the Sanhedrin. And 
He even tells His disciples that you need to stand firm and stand strong even in the face of death. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of those that are going to kill you over Me. Be afraid of God who can kill you a second time. And so in the context of that, Jesus tells them a story, a parable, to encourage them that they would not lose heart. Because the, the truth is, even though we know that we're going to suffer, and even though we know that the world is in rebellion against Jesus, and if you're going to walk with Jesus, you're going to walk against the world. That doesn't mean we don't lose heart. That doesn't mean that the suffering doesn't get you down. That doesn't mean that the long wait for an answer to your prayers doesn't make you start to wonder, does God truly love me? Does God really care about me? Oh, I know He cares about those other people over there. I've seen Him do works for other people. I know. You know and sometimes our theology of who God is works to make us lose heart because we know He is all-powerful. He could do it. We know He's all-knowing, so He doesn't. it's not like He's ignorant of my problem or my struggle. He knows about it. And He could fix it. And the Gospels tell, tell me He loves me. And so I know that God loves me and He could fix this and He knows about it. So if He doesn't, if He doesn't, why not? And the, the truth is, is He doesn't because He loves us. And He doesn't because He's forming us. And He doesn't because He's helping us to grow in faith. But you know, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and hoped for things are those things you don't have yet. It's painful to grow your faith. It's difficult to grow your faith because to grow your faith, you do it in the darkness to a certain extent. And at times, the darkness can overwhelm you in your heart and you start to lose heart. And we can start to think, well, now, okay, God's all-powerful and He's all-knowing, so maybe He doesn't really love me. Maybe he's just annoyed by me. Maybe he's tired of me. Maybe, maybe I'm just his puppet that he likes to torture and annoy. I don't know. But we get to those points in our minds sometimes and in the darkness of our struggles. And we start to wonder, does God really love me? Does God really care? We might think, is, is he really going to come back? It's been generations and generations and generations and centuries and believers have proclaimed that He is coming soon. He is coming quickly. And yet it's been so long. People lose heart. And Jesus' desire for us is that we would not lose heart. And part of not losing heart has to do with this idea of praying. Not just to throw up a prayer here or there, but at all times to pray. And notice it says that we ought to pray. And maybe you, your translation says something different there, like we should, you know, or, or we must. And, and truly, I think must or, because uh, it should. There, there's all sorts of things that we should do, aren't there? You know, there's all sorts of things we ought to do. We don't do them, but we ought to do. The words we use to translate can sometimes weaken what Scripture tells us. This word ought is a Greek word that means it is necessary. It can also be used as inevitable. 
It is what must happen. What is absolutely necessary. So Jesus is telling us uh, that Luke, as, as he's using this word, he's telling us that Jesus told them this parable so that they would know that it is absolutely necessary at all times for them to pray and not lose heart. That he wanted them to stay faithful in their, in their mind and in their hope in Jesus. It, last week we looked at and we noticed that uh, forgiveness is foundational to our lives as believers, right? That, that we, we come to faith through forgiveness, that we, we need to be forgiven, and then the way we live is through forgiveness, by forgiving one another and by being forgiven from God. If forgiveness is foundational to our lives as, be, as believers, prayer is the necessary activity of a believer. Above all other things, prayer is the necessary activity of a believer. Before we do anything else, we should be praying. While we are doing what we think best, we should be praying. And when all else is done and there is no other hope for us, we should be praying. Prayer is the necessary activity of a believer. It's, it's not an optional. It's not just the good thing that we do, but you know there's not time. It's not the pie in the sky, you know, I'm going to take care of things myself. If you want to pray and just talk to the air, go right ahead. No. As, as far as Jesus is concerned, prayer is the necessary activity. Remember when the disciples, they came down from the Mount Transfiguration and there was a man with a son who was epileptic and he would throw himself in the fire and he would throw himself on the ground. And the man was beside himself. He said, I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't cast out the demon. And then Jesus cast out the demon. And then later on, the disciples said, why couldn't we do it? And he said, this kind can only come out through prayer. The disciples didn't pray for it to happen. They didn't pray for that demon to leave the boy. They tried to do it in their own ways and in their own manners. And I hate to say it, but I think a lot of times that's how we operate. We do things in our own ways and our own manners. Prayer is something we kind of leave for later. Sometimes it's truly that we, we've prayed and we haven't gotten an answer. And so we give up. We quit. We lose heart. And Jesus says, no, don't ever give up prayer. Don't ever stop praying. If you're not getting the answer you need, you need to pray more, not less. You need to not let go of God. Don't lose heart. Because what happens is, is if you've prayed for something and you earnestly desire that and it doesn't happen and so you quit, what you've said is, I'm writing God off. God's not going to help me here. He's not helping out in this area. But if you keep going back to Him, you keep going back to Him. That's the thing about this widow in this parable is that she keeps going back to the unrighteous judge. She doesn't let go of Him. She doesn't just write Him off and say, I've got to find justice in my own ways. I'm going to find another angle. I'm going to go and find another judge. She just keeps coming back to the same judge, pounding on his door, annoying him and saying, I need you to give me vengeance. Give me victory. Give me legal protection. Because her eyes were still focused on him, even though he was an unrighteous judge. 
If that widow can behave that way, how much more should we not give up on God, but keep coming to Him and coming to Him and we haven't gotten the prayer we want. We haven't seen the result of what we've asked Him and we yearn for it and we need help. And He is the only one who can deliver us. So keep going to Him. That's what, that's what Luke is telling us. That's what Jesus is telling us. That, that prayer is a necessary activity. It's not, it's not just something you throw away on the side. But it should be our way of life. We like to think that, you know, prayer isn't active. That prayer isn't uh, doing anything. You know, you, you may have thought it yourself or known somebody that said it out loud even. Maybe you've even said it out loud that, you know, well, if all you're going to do is pray, I'm going to get some work done. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of this. According to Jesus, prayer is the work. What we do is fiddling. But the prayer, pursuing God. What, do we, what is prayer in the first place? This word pray means to, to, um, to is, is, is prosukomai. It comes from the, the prefix pros, which means toward. And ukomai means to wish or to pray or to ask. So it's not just, oh, I'm, I'm making a prayer, but I am specifically directing my prayer toward somebody. So when we pray, we, it's, it's the idea that we are seeking God's face that we are seeking His intervention in our lives. Yeah, He knows what we need before we even ask of Him. But what prayer is, is us going to Him constantly and seeking it from Him. It is a relationship where we are seeking His face and His intervention. Not just hoping that He'll take care of it because He already knows about it. But we are coming to Him time and time again. And, and this parable, even though it sounds kind of terrible, you know, this, this widow coming and bashing on the door of an unrighteous judge, it's so uncaring. It is so ugly that he would have that kind of an attitude to somebody. A, a widow is a person in Jesus' time who cannot provide for themselves. They, are, they need protection from other people because in their mentality, your, your husband protected you from the world. You know, in, in, in the Mosaic Law, a, a woman could not enter into a contract. She, she couldn't give testimony if her husband negated something she said. If she said, I'll be there and I'll do this, and her husband said, no, you won't, it negated it. Whereas if a man said, I'll be there and I'll do this, and he, he didn't do it, he was held to his word. But a husband could negate the word of a wife. So she needed protection from somebody. And so, so James tells us that true religion is to look after widows and orphans in their time of need. That's the mark of religion, of faith, of, of worshiping God. So this is the, the one person that you could say should be taken care of by just about anybody. And the person who is in authority and responsible for taking care of her in this refuses just doesn't want to be bothered. It's too insignificant. And yet that is the picture that Jesus tells us to let us know how much God loves us and cares for us. He wants us to know through this negative portrayal that you are important to God. And I think that sometimes we forget that. That you are important to God. You matter to Him. 
He loves you. We, 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 we recite it so easily we cannot even think about it, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's so easy to rattle it off, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that you are important to God. Not just he loves you. I think sometimes it's easy to say, oh yeah, he loves me, but does he care about me? <laughs> oh yeah, he loves me, but he's... Yeah, have you ever had the whole, I love you, but I don't like you right now kind of a thing? I'm sure we've all had that with somebody where you're like, I love this human being, I could kill them right now, but I really love them, so I'm not going to do this, and I don't currently like the way they're behaving. And sometimes maybe you feel like that's the way God feels about you, that, oh, I love you because I have to love you because I created you, and my son died on the cross for you, but I'm really kind of fed up with you, and I don't like you, and you keep doing these things, and you leave your shoes in the living room, and I'm just, I'm done, I'm done, I'm not answering your prayers. But no, he, he doesn't just love you, although that is very true and that should be enough. But you matter to him. You're important to him. He's not ignoring you. He actually hears you and listens to you very quickly. And so we see in, in verse 2 this setup about this city where there's a judge who doesn't fear God, doesn't respect man. And obviously the answer to that is that God does fear God. And God does respect men. So he's completely the opposite. Here is somebody who is basically unrighteous, doesn't fear God, doesn't care what other people think. And within this city, there's a widow in verse 3 that keeps coming to him saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. And here's something that the uh, New American Standard does that just doesn't help us. Legal protection. Justice. It would have been so nice had they just said, give me justice from my legal appoint, uh, opponent or adversary. It, it, and, and the idea, because it truly is, give me justice. And the reason why I say that is because later on they do say uh, that God will, will give justice. He will bring about justice. And, and, and this, this word is important. It keeps coming and it keeps coming, but sometimes our English translations, they, they dilute that by using different words to translate it. So when we see legal protection, just remember the justice. Give me justice. And an, an opponent, that is the word for adversary, somebody who is against me in justice. So even that word opponent in the Greek, it's anti-justice. Against me in the act of justice is my, is my opponent, my adversary. They are arguing against me. They are actively against me in my need for and seeking of justice. So that word justice is coming through in a lot of different ways. And she's crying out for him. And we, we learn in verse 4 that for a while he's unwilling. He's unwilling to give her justice. We don't know why. It doesn't really matter. He's just unwilling. But after a time, he says to himself, even though I don't fear God, I don't, I don't respect men, yet because this widow bothers me, do you ever feel like you bother God? Do you ever feel like you annoy God? Jesus is saying this not to say, make sure you bother God. Make sure you annoy God to no end. Make sure if you just bug Him enough, He'll give it to you. And we do that, don't we? You have a kid that just keeps bugging you and bugging you and bugging you, so you give them to him. Yeah. Because you've got other things to do and you've got more important things to do and you've got your stuff to do and you don't want to be bothered. We've got an amen over here. 
So you just try to get rid of them. Well, Jesus said what in verse 11, in chapter 11? If you, being wicked, know how to give good things to your kids. So yeah, we're wicked. We can be bothered and we just want to get rid of what's bothering us. We want to get rid of that problem or that situation. And I can testify, i got some kids that are really good at wearing you down. The fifth no isn't enough. You, you want to testify about us, your parents, I'll testify about you. Uh, the fifth no doesn't work. Sometimes the tenth no doesn't work. So it can go both ways. You get worn down. But no, the widow is bothering the judge, but we don't bother God. We are wicked. He is not. We get bothered by people and sometimes even by our own children and grandchildren. He does not. He is not bothered by you. He is not annoyed by you. He is not frustrated by you. He is not bothered by your prayers and your seeking His face. The judge says, though, just because she's bothering me, I'm going to give her justice, legal protection, but justice. Otherwise, she's going to wear me out. I mean, he doesn't even care about her cause. He doesn't care about herself. He doesn't care about her, her, her claims. He just wants her to not wear him out. And that's enough for him. And unfortunately, that's the way it works in the world sometimes. You get justice, not because of true justice, just because maybe the judge has got a tea time he's trying to make. And he wants to get out of there. We hope not, but that's probably happening at times. And so then in, in verse 6, the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. You know, he, he's saying, do you hear what he said? Just because I want to get rid of her, I'll answer her. The idea isn't God's going to give you what you want just because He wants to get rid of you. No, He's saying she is so insignificant to that judge and that judge cares so little for her, yet He gives her justice. Now then, in verse 7, will not God bring about justice for His elect? Will not God bring about justice? If an if a unrighteous judge will give justice to a widow just because she annoys him, how much more so will God give justice to his elect, those that he has chosen out of the world? Word, world, I was right the first time. Out of the world. That's what it means to be elect, that you have been chosen. That he has plucked us up made us His. Do you care about those that you choose? We do, don't we? We choose to do certain things. We care about the things we choose to do more than the things we don't choose to do. If God has gone through such trouble to send His Son to the earth to die on the cross for our sins, and then He has gone through so much trouble through His Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins, and if He has gone through so much trouble to bring us to faith in Jesus Christ, to call us His own, to make us His own, to say, you are chosen out of all the world to be My people, to be holy for Me. That means He cares quite a bit about you. That you matter to Him. That you're important to Him. Won't He bring justice for you? The answer is yes, He will. 
So don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't quit. Instead, as Jesus says, cry to Him day and night. And He says, do you think He'll, he'll delay long over them? Will he, will he wait? Will He be patient in responding? Will, will He endure a long time of listening to your prayers? No. No, in verse 8, He tells us, I tell you that He will bring about justice for them quickly. Now that, that brings us to the difficult part though, right? Sometimes we don't see the answer very quickly. What do we mean by that? And the, the, the thing to understand is when he says quickly, he doesn't mean you're going to see it quickly necessarily, but quickly or soon is the idea of you don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And it's going to happen before you know it and before you're able to recognize that it's happened. It's already happened in your life. Now, there might be reasons why he delays the answer. You, you pray for something and then it takes weeks, it takes months, maybe even takes years for it to happen. And, and God knows when we need things. I mean, it's no different than a child that asks for ice cream at 5 o'clock and you say no. Not because you refuse to ever give them ice cream, but because you know you're about to feed them dinner and you want them to eat that dinner because it's nutritious. The ice cream isn't and they can have the ice cream later. And you always plan to give it to them later, but they're going to have to wait, even though you're answering them. You know in your heart and your mind, yes. In fact, I went out special and bought ice cream cones so we could have special ice cream today. But they don't know that, and they just think, oh, my mom, my dad, they don't love me. They're not giving me the ice cream I want right now. And we do that to God on a regular basis. He will bring about justice quickly. In fact, a lot of times He has already answered our prayer before we know it. But He wants us to keep praying. He wants us not to let up. He wants us to pray at all times, to not lose heart. Because as the second half of verse 8 tells us, there, there's a question in this. The question is not God. The question is not does He love us. The question is not will He answer us. The question is, is when Jesus returns, tying it back into chapter 17, His second coming, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? Will he find people who are still trusting and believing and hoping in him? Or when Jesus returns, is everybody going to be doing their own thing and not really paying attention and not praying because we got tired? Or we, we prayed once and we didn't get what we wanted, so we left and we did our own thing. The, the hope is, is that when Jesus returns, He would find people who are still praying to Him, still crying out to Him, still seeking His face, even if they're not receiving visibly in, their, in, in, in the immediacy what they're asking for, but that we would not lose heart but keep praying. Because the truth is, a lot of times we don't want, or, or excuse me, we don't receive the things we want and the things we're praying for immediately. And, and we might not receive them in this existence in this lifetime. That doesn't mean that God isn't giving them. That doesn't mean that God isn't answering us. And that doesn't mean that God does not care. And it is so easy to lose heart, to give up when you don't get what you're asking for. When you hear God say no, it is easy to say that I'm done with you, God. You tell me no, I'm going to tell you no. And that's not what Jesus wants for us in our lives. He wants us 
to not lose heart. He wants us to continue to have faith when He returns. He wants, us, he wants to find us still praying to Him, still seeking his, faith, uh, his face, still waiting for Him. Jesus wants you, He wants us to not give up on God. And, and the answer in this, the, the result of this is do not give up on God. Even as you don't receive the thing you're asking for, even as, as you have suffering and trials and pain and dark days and dark nights, when the depression feels like it's just going to consume everything, and the grief feels like it, it can't be overcome, don't give up. Even when everything in you and around you says no, doesn't look good, never give up on God. And that is a tough thing. I don't know about you, but I give up on God all the time. There are so many things in my life over the years and presently I can't see how it will ever be fixed. I can't see how He'll ever answer my prayers. It doesn't feel like He will. Maybe you're tempted to give up on God too. Jesus wants us to never lose heart. To never give up. To not stop praying. And I don't know about you, but this is something I needed this week. Because there's lots of times I just, you know, I prayed it to God. Oh, I told him. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He knows. He can answer it. Maybe you're in those boats, in that place too. Sometimes. Don't give up on Him. Even when you can't see an answer. Even when you can't see any way out. We're talking to the One who led the Israelites through the Red Sea. We're talking about the One who created light who created flesh out of dirt. I'm talking about the one who took slaves and made them a nation. And took a body three days in the grave and made him live again. And he didn't die again. Lazarus died again. Jesus did not. You may be in a spot where you see no way out, no hope, no future. Do not give up on God. Because He can create out of nothing. And He can restore even which, that which is dead. Don't give up on Him. Never give up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, we come to You, Lord, as those who do at times. We quit. We quit on You. We quit on our hopes and our dreams. We quit on our prayers. We quit on ourselves, Lord. You tell us to believe and to hope and to have faith and sometimes it feels like it takes too long and we carry the burdens for too long and we can't hope any longer and our faith runs out and we lose heart. Lord, we, we need Your intervention. We need Your Holy Spirit to keep us from losing heart. 
We need your encouragement to, to hold on and to pray and to seek your face. Lord, we, we pray that we would know today, truly know your love for us. That we're important to you. That we are your chosen people. You've called us out to be holy, to be followers of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to have faith. That we would not let go. That we would pray. Lord, we pray that that we would pray more in the coming weeks and months than we have in the past few weeks and months. Lord, that we would adopt a life of prayer. That we would trust in You and look to You and hope in You and have faith in You. Lord, as we grow hungry for the answers to our prayers, we pray that we would hold on to You even tighter. And like the, the widow to the judge, that we would not look away. Not go anywhere else, but just to You because You are the source of our hope and justice in life. So we pray, Father, even as we don't receive those prayers that we want, those answers that we seek, may we not lose heart, but seek You all the more and believe in You until You return. Lord, give us that faith. Give us that spirit of prayer, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.